Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We are back and this is part three of when to fire a buyer and we're going to be finishing up this three-part series today and before we get to point number one or what point are we on actually julie we are this on point number section oh new section okay good and this is part three of three and this is this this section is going to be on what specifically this is turning the tables on the agent actually because the first two podcasts we're talking about why you want to use a presentation. We're talking about the buyer pre-qualification. Then we're talking about what makes for a really great buyer that you do want to work with and when it is not a great buyer. So now we're turning it around. When should a buyer actually fire their agent? As a cautionary tale, are any of you guys that are listening making any of these mistakes? So before we get to that, Julie had some interesting coaching calls today and I had one also not with a client, it was actually with a, someone who was in our EXP Realty group. And if you guys are interested in joining EXP Realty, obviously, we'd love the opportunity to sponsor you. Just text me at 512-758-0206. So he and I are having a conversation. His business is changing. He's, you know, um, he was not a coaching client, uh, So he, you know, but he was a podcast listener. I think he'd read our book, Harris Rules. But what was he was doing was essentially frustrating himself to no end. And um, without giving you any more details, I'll tell you about the conversation. So he had been in business or has been in business for like maybe two, two and a half years. And he is, of course, was doing a lot of the stuff that he was led to believe would get in business, which was marketing and branding. And he was spending tons of money and tons of time on all the usual suspect, the videos, the TikToks, the this is and the other things. That's what he's spending all of his effort on. So I want to tell you guys about a series of questions that I asked him, and then I want you to listen and ask these questions or answer these questions in your own mind. So I asked him how many deals he did last year. He hadn't done a lot. It was something like 12 or maybe it was eight or I don't remember the exact number, but I asked uh, what percent of those deals were buyers or sellers. And there were almost all buyers. And I asked him where he got those buyers. Like what was the source of the lead? And he told me, uh, every single example was a referral from uh, centers of influence or past clients. Um, I think one of them now that I'm thinking about it may have been a referral from his, uh, another agent or something like that, but it was, none of it was from marketing and branding. None of it was from proactive lead generation. It was all basically centers of influence and past client type stuff. Most of which he'd gotten passively. In other words, he'd only sort of been working his centers of influence and past client list. He called him, mailed him Christmas cards, didn't have a real system, but that was the gist of it. All right, so that's the profile of this guy. Very nice guy, really anxious to learn, really feeling the stress of seeing this changing market start to consume his ill-fated business plan, which was what I just described to you. So I asked him this question. Remember, this guy's completely mired in his head with the idea that he can market and brand his way to success. That if he does enough YouTube videos, enough other stuff, that the world's gonna beat a path to his door and start throwing listing contracts on his lap and say, please come list me. That was the fantasy. That's what a lot of, that's essentially the collective lie that a lot of you guys have uh, been believing for a long period of time. And it's going to take a market like this for you to really realize 
what an act of futility, not complete waste of time, but basically a complete waste of time. A lot of that stuff has been because you will see as the easy deals go away, member centers of influence and past clients are generally speaking easy deals. And for him, those easy deals were going away to which then he was having to face down the cold reality that all the other things that he'd been doing with the hoping and praying that one day those things would produce results. were not producing results. So this was, again, this is going to be the impasse that many of you are going to be facing in the coming months if you haven't already. So I asked him a series of questions and I want you to ask yourself the series of questions too. Really simple. No heavy lifting here, I promise. So I asked him, so if um, there is going, the rest of this month, you have to list three listings. You have to take three listings. He uh, hadn't, I think he'd maybe list one house or something like that. So the whole concept to him was somewhat foreign, but three wasn't such a big number. He could wrap his mind around it. So I said, if you, you have to take three listings, uh, the rest of this month, and then you get a tax paid check for a million dollars. In other words, you will be given a million dollars if between now and the end of the month, you list three houses. Um, and then can you do it? And he hemmed and hauled and he said, yeah, I could do it for a million dollars. I could figure out how to take three listings. I could absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. I said, so how would you do it? Tell me exactly what your business plan would do would be to take three listings. And what was really kind of, um, and this always happens. I've had conversations like this. I bet you thousands of times in one iteration or the other. But what immediately happened was the magic of what happens when you really focus your mind. It was one of Napoleon Hill's success principles. He immediately knew what to do. So he started telling me exactly what he would do. He said, I would call old expireds. I would call new expireds. I, will, I would do a way better job pre-qualifying all the leads that I have. I would call every single, you know, quote unquote, buyer lead, see who has houses to sell. And he basically talked for maybe a minute or maybe 90 seconds. I didn't say anything. I just listened because frankly, I was just so thrilled that he was having an epiphany. What he was experiencing was what people call an aha moment. And he didn't even realize it to which I said, after he got finished, none of which, by the way, um, well, here, I don't want to spoil my punchline here. Then I said, well, why is it that when you know you had to take three listings in less than a month and you got a million dollar check, right? You have all the motivation in the world and you are no longer willing to procrastinate the accomplishment of said goal, taking three listings. I said, why is it that you have, you know, I don't know if you did this consciously or unconsciously. Why did you stop doing all your marketing and branding? Why is it that that wasn't even on your list of the things that you would do? to um, essentially generate three listings. And he started to laugh. And that was this surefire sign that someone just formed new neural pathways without me telling him really, well, of course he's a podcast listener, so he already knew. Mm -hmm. But without me having to tell him uh, how often people waste time and money on the marketing and branding, uh, when what they really should be doing is focusing on being proactive and going directly after the people that already have their hands in their air and say, yes, I want you to come list my house. Again, intuitively, he already knew that. And all of you know that as well. And he knew exactly what he had to do. And, and that was, it went from the start of our call, or it was really an informal coaching session, but the part, start of our coaching session was him feeling really scared, maybe a little bit, um, overwhelmed because of the changing market, fearful. And now all of a sudden he had this amazing sense of direction because he knew not only what to do, but now he just had to learn how to do it. And frankly, that's the easy part. The hard part is moving past your own ego and your resistance. So to, and I asked him that question, I said, so you knew what to do. You knew what to say, you know, I mean, you knew the, the answer, right? When I asked the question, you didn't have to think about it that long. So why aren't you doing it? And why are you doing any of it? Then, then he asked me, 
well, when do you do the marketing and branding? I said, why would you want to do the marketing branding if you're able to effort? Well, not without effort, obviously. If you're able to take listings when you choose to, if you're able to, if you can right now, every single day in every single market, get lists and lists of sellers who have to sell their houses for free. And then you just have to learn what to say to them and call them and you follow us, our seven step listing process. Why would you ever do any of the other stuff, especially since the last 18 months or 24 months of your, and again, this is me talking to him, of your own personal experience has proven what a waste of time the marketing and branding stuff is. You had no deals from your marketing and branding. Now I'll tell you on an aside, what a lot of you guys will do is you'll rationalize that the marketing and branding is working. So I'll ask the question, how many deals did you do last year? And you'll say, you know, I did 10. Where does 10 come from? Well, my Facebook ads or my Instagram followers or my this or the other thing, because that is maybe they are happen to be followers of yours, or maybe they messaged you through Instagram, but that's not the reason that they called you. The reason they called you is because someone referred you to them or them to you rather. The reason they called you is maybe because you had some sort of social or familial connection. They just happened to message you through one of those socials. You are not asking the secondary question or even the first question, why did you call me to, you know, why are you, I really sincerely appreciate the opportunity to be of service to you and your family. Why is it that you chose me to do so? And then you'll often hear them say, well, you know, it's because you helped my neighbor or because so-and-so or this, the other thing. It's not for the reasons that you guys have been told. And that's the shocking part. And it was the shocking part to him and it was, it took the pain of being frustrated of realizing that a lot of the, by the way, centers of influence and past client business has a tendency to dry up the fastest in a shifting market. So you ought to be aware of that as well. Um, and you, you know, that is just a simple fact centers of influence and past client systems is, are, that's the first thing we want you to learn, but you can't stop your learning at just that. Otherwise a shifting market, like what we're experiencing again, is going to leave you leadless. And so you really got to be conscientious of that. So I'm only sharing this with all of you because you guys got to understand Julie and I's approach and uh, our real mindset about the real estate business comes from actually having sold thousands of homes ourselves, but more importantly, having had hundreds of thousands of actual coaching calls over 20 years and through many, many different markets. It's not just because we have an opinion or, it, well, I suppose that is an opinion, but it's definitely not just an opinion in the sense that it's not experienced opinion. It's from having actually done it and having helped a lot of other people do it at the high level. Now, with that said, is there a place for marketing and branding and all that stuff? Yes, perhaps, but it's optional. The other stuff isn't. You guys are doing the optional stuff because it's easier and it requires no skill, to which goes back to the question I asked him. So if you knew that you have to be proactive in your lead generation efforts and what you're looking for is on the other side of, you know, essentially doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, why would you do the other stuff? And he was, again, very, you know, he was to the point where he wasn't going to mess around in his head anymore and make excuses. He said, because I don't know what to say, because I'm fearful of rejection. Those weren't his words, those were mine, but that's the essence of what he said. And so, well, if you could move past those emotions and know what to say, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear, how much better would you feel? How much better would you feel knowing every single day you can wake up and you can choose to set a listing appointment. You can choose to pre-qualify the seller. You can then go on that listing appointment. And oftentimes that one transaction from listing that house will result in at least two to maybe even five other deals that buyer or the sellers become buyers, you double in the listing, all kinds of different ancillary business comes from taking a listing. You don't get that on the buyer side of a transaction, guys. If you're lucky, you get repeat business when they put it for sale and you might get a referral. But listings are the absolute tree of your real estate business to which all other fruit blossoms. 
That's right. I had a coaching call today with one of our great elite coaching clients who had an open house last weekend, followed all the open house protocol for not just, we were joking how your average agent will say, I'm going to go sit in open house. Really? You're just going to sit there, right? So no, she instead did all of the things that we coach to actually monetize an open house. And between last weekend and today's coaching call, she took not one, but two additional listings in that same neighborhood already. Probably at least one of those will sell this weekend. Do you remember the name of this agent? One of my Susans. Well, then give her <laughs> Sue, credit. I think I'm pretty sure this one was uh, Sue Erdman in Wisconsin. All right. So Sue so. Erdman, congratulations and good job for following the system and yeah. actually getting the results that yeah. you deserve because you've actually, you know, followed the system. So listen, guys, the system is Premier Coaching and every single one of you can join Premier Coaching right now, 100% for free. You can join Premier Coaching for free, no strings attached, zero risk to you. And yes, you get everything that's included in level one, but you also get a daily semi-private coaching call over the next 30 days, every single day, work day, you will have a daily semi-private coaching session with one of our Harris certified coaches. This is what you need in this marketplace. You can go to YouTube guys and you can learn from a dozen different, you know, fake YouTube coaches about how to do social media marketing and branding. The world is awash with people trying to tell you to do more social media branding and marketing. But I want you to be the guy I was talking to on the phone and I want you to answer the question. If you had to take 30 listings in the, you know, basically the next 30 days or less, three listings rather in the next 30 days or less, how would you do it? It wouldn't be making more YouTube videos, would it? It would be, you know, picking up the phone. It would be having real conversations, real consequential conversations with actual people who said, yes, I have a house to sell. This is the fallacy of marketing and branding in the real estate business. Here it is. I want you to think about this. The for, If you guys opened up a pie shop, it's called what's Paul's pies. Paul's pies. Okay. Paul, Paul's pies, right? So Paul's going to open up a pie shop. That's his dream. And it's a location. He has a little location and, you know, and actually there was a pie shop in uh, Clintonville where Julie and I used to sell real estate. It's Remember still that there, one? by the way. Is it really? Yep. Well, so there is a pie shop. It opened up Paul's pies. And what Paul does is he has to then, you know, make a hell of a good pie. He has to be open probably, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day. He has to have staff there. He has to make pies every single day. He has to, you know, build a client base. But he doesn't know who in the, uh, you know, the community is going to be in the mood to buy a pie. He doesn't know who the hell they are. So he has to spend money to send coupons and mailers and all kinds of different things to get them to remember that his pie store is there in case they happen to want a pie, right? So he has to do marketing and branding. Now he has a good location. So probably at this point, he's got enough repeat customers that he doesn't have to do a lot of it, but he is going to have to let the world know. I am Paul. I have pies. My pies kick ass. Come buy a pie. Got it? You guys do not have that problem because your customers already self-identify. I want you to now think back to Paul's pies. Now, Paul opens up his pie business and Paul happens to know every single person in all the surrounding communities where he sells pies who wants to buy a pie from him um, on a regular basis. So every single day, Paul wakes up and he gets a list of the 47 people or whatever uh, that want to buy a pie. He then calls said, you know, potential pie purchasers. That's a lot of peas. <laughs> and he says, what flavor pie would you like, please? That's right. In fact, some how would of, you like to pay for your pie purchase? Well, some of those pie customers actually have a sign in their yard saying, I need pie. I'm hungry for pie. And here's my right. phone number. 
Well, I mean, you guys get it. So that's the difference. So Paul has to run ads and doing marketing and branding yeah. to basically make the world know that he's there and he's ready to do business. You guys don't have to do any of that. You can go directly after the people that already have their hands in the air and say, yes, I want to uh, sell my house. Why, why do we always suggest you drill down on listings first? And that we're the only ones that are telling you guys this. I know that it's because when you take a listing, you'll do multiple transactions off that listing. When you take a listing, you have leverage. When you have listing, you have a real business. Every one of you intuitively know this. Would you rather have five listings or would you rather have 20 buyers? Every single one of you would rather have five listings because you know that's at least five paychecks, probably more like 10, where there's 20 buyers. Which, which are you going to have, where are you going to have more time and frustration and probably ultimately far less net profit on the buyer side of the transaction? There's nothing wrong with buyers. Obviously it takes buyers to make the real estate world go around. But at the end of the day, if you have to focus your energies on really becoming the best at one thing, that one thing should be becoming a listing agent. And the quickest way for you guys to get there is become premier coaching clients. And again, it's free. All you've got to do is text the word premier to 47372 text the word premier to 47372. If you're outside of the continental United States, you can just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. It's members.timandjulieharris.com and you can enroll into Premier Coaching for free. Do that now and this is going to be your pathway forward. Don't do what most people do, unfortunately. They wait too long to learn what they should have been learning maybe six months before. You guys got to get ahead of the curve. The market's not going to slow down in terms of these changes. Now I'm seeing everyone basically say we're in a, in a recession or it's going to be, you know, a recession in the first quarter of next year, or the next six months or 12 months or whatever, whatever, whatever. There's point being is there's more headwinds uh, that are coming our way in the economy. So you have got to learn what's necessary so that you can be incredibly successful because of this market. You can thrive in this market. You don't have to suffer in this market. You can thrive because of this market. Text the word premier to 47372. Uh, text the word premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. All right, Julie Harris. Yes, on to the third part of talking about buyers. Parts one and two, we discussed uh, again on the past two podcasts how and why to use your buyer presentation and buyer pre qualification scripts. We've discussed the specifics of what makes for a good buyer relationship between you and your buyer clients. But today, as promised, we're turning the tables on you, the agent or broker. When should a buyer actually fire you? This is all about accountability, skill, and professionalism. So look at this list. I think there's only five things here uh, as reasons that your relationship might come into jeopardy, especially when you're working with the most motivated and qualified buyer clients. So point number one, again, this is why the buyer should fire you. Your buyer should fire you if you've lost more than three offers and have not changed your strategy. Clearly, you are doing something that isn't working. Most buyers will give up on an agent after two or three tries. They won't always tell you, you'll just be ghosted. So ask for help with this. If you don't know how to change your strategy and you keep on losing, some of you guys have lost six or seven deals for the same buyer. You've got to, you know, what's the definition of crazy? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. If you want a better result, you have to increase your skill level. It's worth mentioning that when you get fired by a buyer, um, and again, it, let's assume this is a buyer that you've followed our previous coaching and, you know, you've pre-qualified them. They're actually, they're a valid buyer. 
they're motivated uh, and they're also financially able, let's assume that this is a buyer that you're working with. You're not just wasting time with a looker, not a buyer. Well, and then those are the people like Julie just said are most apt to fire you if you do not perform quickly. They're the ones that want to buy urgently. And if you're, again, if you get fired, the worst thing for you to do is to blame the buyer or not take complete responsibility. Julie and I are enormous advocates for owning everything, own everything uh, in terms of everything that happens to you that's good and everything that happens to you that's bad. And the bad things are generally speaking where we get the best lessons. So if you get fired, you need to actually drill down and be honest with yourself why you got fired. Otherwise, you're going to get fired for the same reasons over and over and over again. Yes, uh, Brad in Orlando, he heard this uh, on a couple podcasts ago, that same point. And he said, you know, I'm really taking that to heart. I said, tell me more about that. He said, I, I didn't take a listen, listing that I should have taken that was in my center of influence that I simply had counted on, and I've decided to own the fact that it is my fault I didn't take the listing. I now have learned the lesson. I need to follow up harder and more specifically and more frequently. So that's as an example of owning it. Well, and again, Brad and everyone else, just use the questions that are in the buyer pre-qualification script. Then you don't have to feel like you're being too pushy. Then you don't have to feel like you're being inauthentic. Then you don't have to worry about what you're saying or how you're going to say it. Then you don't have to worry about what you're going to say next or what you're going to say when they say this. It's all, all right there for you when you use our pre-qualification scripts. And yes, that's included with Premier Coaching. And yes, you can join Premier Coaching for free. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Point number two, Julie. Point number two, your buyer should fire you if they're more motivated than you are. If they're the ones begging to see a specific new listing versus you finding what they want and getting them to see into see it ASAP, they are more motivated than you are. It is not their job to do your job. Let me give a good example of that. I'm on a coaching call yesterday um, and these guys are working with, um, I'm not making these numbers up, a buyer, this is the buyer's qualifications, this is in LA, uh, up to 35 million and the requirement is that it has to have a legal regulation uh, golf course, or I'm sorry, uh, tennis, um, tennis hell, court, tennis court. Thank you. Um, you can tell I'm very athletic, very sporty. Yes, exactly. I'm very sporty. <laughs> and the tennis court itself has to be, uh, secluded so they can leave the lights on and they can play whenever the heck they want to. And the neighbors won't get pissy because the bright lights are on while they play tennis. And evidently, yes, this guy is a professionally ranked tennis player. All right. So there's the story. So what are these guys doing? They did a couple of things that were on their own, which were good from previous coaching calls. I said, go to old expireds, find out any expireds that basically included the word tennis anywhere in the description. They did that and they found a couple listings. Uh, then I said, why don't you, why don't you do this? Why don't you go back into the MLS and there's systems that'll do this for you and if for like maybe 10 years or five years and do the same search. Find a list of the properties and then obviously houses at this caliber are going to be a specific neighborhood. So these buyers were not just looking for kind of a weirdo house with a weirdo lot, but they're also looking at specific communities where that could support a house in that price range, right? You guys with me on this? So I asked them to do the same thing. Go back in the MLS, do a search for this, you know, Beverly Hills, all these nice, you know, posh areas in and around LA. And I said, do the search and do a search of listings are homes that have sold in the last, you know, maybe 10 years that have included the word tennis in their description, create a database of all those homes that basically were, these are just list. These aren't listings. These are owned properties. 
but you're going to get the name, you're going to get the owner's name, you're going to get the address, you're going to know it's a tennis court type property, and you're going to know that it's in these particular communities. So it's probably going to be a really house, nice house overall, and it's going to be to the standard that these buyers are expecting because most certainly it's going to be you know something that's worth you know tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You with me on all this, listeners? And then I told them get that list, and then there's services that I suggested they use, and I want you to handwrite to the seller on a very nice stationery, a essentially a nice letter asking if they'd be interested in selling, saying that you've got somebody that's very fascinated with specifically with tennis court properties and your house might be a, you know, your house, Mr. Potential Seller, might be a match to what they're looking for. And then that was their homework. And I want you to mail all these letters. I'm sure there won't be that many houses that meet the criteria. I'll be surprised truthfully if there's even 50, but I'd be shocked if they didn't get at least five or 10 listing leads from the idea I just gave to you guys. And, and that will absolutely happen. And there are services out there, there's two or three of them, where they will, um, you know, I don't know how to describe this if you're not familiar with it, but basically you can have a handwritten card. You have to put in the words, you have to put into the, you know, key into your computer what yep. the words are, but then it takes a Montblanc pen, a uh, fountain pen, and then it writes in what would be, uh, looks like a handwritten, you know, it's not calligraphy, but it's actually looking like a real handwritten card. And in this case, it's a fold-over card. And then it, there's, it's signed off on it. It looks like somebody it's nicely took, done. And yeah. the envelope is the same way. I think it's Send Out Cards that does that. No, it's no? not. Oh, There's okay. two other companies. Send Out Cards, nice. is, they do the bulk, cheap stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah, this is something that, Julie, you get. I've gotten these in the mail from coaching clients where basically you open it up and it looks like someone hand wrote it. It yeah. lo- literally Quality. looks handwritten. Beautiful. And it's, you know, there's even some, a little, it's not even perfect. It doesn't look like it's fake. It looks mm-hmm. like it's a, a, a mixture. Like you'd respond to it kind of nice. A mixture between a doctor's handwriting and somebody who's a professional calligrapher. So it's not like super fancy that you can't automatically discern that it, it mm-hmm. was essentially done by a computer. So that's what they're going to do. How much do these cost each? I think like $2.50. So that's what they're going to do. They're targeting the people that have tennis court properties. They're going to direct mail them. And each of these properties are probably going to be worth, I'm going to guess, 15 to $20 million at least and I guarantee you they're going to get five listing leads from that at least. Think how much money that's going to be. And their marketplace is, you know, you're talking about every one of those listings is probably going to be $250,000 to $300,000 each from that one idea. Yes, that's called being proactive. Well, exactly. And then I said, make sure you go and tell this, the buyers, you know, that you're doing this. Make sure you make it very clear yes. to the buyers that you're actually going out of your way. And this is what you've done. You've identified, you know, these homeowners that might be potential sellers that have properties that might meet your criteria. And I'm actually taking taking the time we're handwriting uh you know nice cards and we're mailing them out you guys get it this is what the difference is this is the difference between being a professional and being a hack and in a market like this when you apply skills like what i just said and ideas like what i just said and this is the reason people sign up for coaching you get an unfair advantage versus what so many of you are going to do think you're supposed to do you're going to make a bunch of youtube videos of you dancing around on tiktok or whatever and you're going to be shocked and surprised when nobody actually gives a rat's ass other than you and your mom and your cat that you created this video. You're not going to get business from stuff like that, guys. You're just fooling yourselves into believing that you will. Now, you might have somebody who is going to do business with you in the first place actually watch one of these things because maybe they follow you on Instagram or whatever, but do not conflate the two. The one thing results in you taking a listing and making money. The other thing is basically what you should be seeing as what it is is a hobby. It's basically something you do as a distraction from doing the real work. That's right. And not required. Okay. So point number two to Tim's point in his story was your buyer should fire you if they are more motivated than you are. If they're working harder to find their house than you are, 
Point number three, your buyer should fire you if you are unable to answer their questions within a reasonable time frame. And that probably should have said unable or unwilling to answer their questions within a reasonable time frame. Analytical and amiable clients tend to have more questions and take more time in their decision-making process. If you're not fulfilling their information requests and their second showing requests, information on utilities or property lines, whatever, you might not be a good fit. Are they going to be, are they being too demanding or are you just being non-versatile or impatient? Or more importantly, do you just not know how to answer their questions and you're kind of giving them fibs because you don't know the answers to the questions because you worse. haven't actually gotten your skills on. And you know, this is, all of you do this anyway, or most of you maybe want to think about doing it this way. Just communicate when you're working with active qualified buyers, right? Buyers that have actually been approved financially and they've convinced and you've uh, asked the right questions, you know, they're motivated uh, in terms of, you know, wanting to buy a house, keep all your communications that are uh, uh, in text. That's one of the greatest ways to keep track of conversations because then you can see what was happening and they can communicate with you quicker. And frankly, texting is a lot more efficient. You can convey things a lot quicker. They will appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. everyone's on text. Don't try to force, um, any of your customers to communicate with you the way you want to be communicated with, you want to force, you want to communicate with them the way that they want to be communicated with. Mm -hmm. Remember, your job is to be of service to them. Their job is not to be of service to you. Now, obviously, when it comes to making offers, those always have to be in writing and a text offer and don't get confused. You're not but, negotiating in text. Exactly. Yes. All right. Point number four, your buyer should fire you if they feel that you don't have enough time for them. Are you actually too busy for them or are you just disorganized? If you're a listing agent managing a lot of inventory and pendings, well, you can refer your buyers to a buyer partner versus over-promising and under-delivering to buyer clients. You can also hire a showing agent whose job it is to open the doors, get your buyers in, and then you negotiate the offer. But here's the, the greater point. It's not fair to motivated and qualified buyers to feel like you're just fitting them in. And by the way, don't tell them how busy you are. Yeah. Don't tell them that you're wall-to-wall -wall appointments. Don't try to impress them with how much you're in demand. They don't care. They Not only do they not care, but that's a massive turnoff. If they think you're too busy, they're not going to want to work with you. And you will be shocked that some of the people that will not call you because they perceive that you're too busy because you think being too busy and or disorganized is a badge of honor are your centers of influence and past clients. And when you ask why sure. if you have the courage to ask them why they listed their house with somebody else they're going to tell you well bob it's because you seemed like you were too busy that's right and that's a big danger for people who have larger teams that delegate all those calls remember we used to compete against a big team and all we had to say was i i wonder whether she this was is the, when we got in the business yeah i wonder whether that agent actually called to confirm the appointment herself and they would always say oh no i've talked to three different assistants and none of them know what's going on well i know who you're talking about but yeah. the other thing that was interesting is not only did they not talk with this agent prior to uh, you know, her even showing up, but she often or her team often wouldn't even call back if the it's so that uh, if the buyer, or I'm sorry, the prospective seller would call in and saying, I'm wanting to interview D, who I know you're talking yeah. about, um, and to come out and list my house, they wouldn't call back right away. They were delaying. And so Julie and I, when we get an opportunity, we knew we were competing against her and chances are in certain communities we always were, we would get to the door quicker. We'd call them back right away. We'd get the pre-listing pack out faster. And we would, you know, they, we would often, because we were following our own script, are you generally speaking, Mr. Seller, when Julie and I meet with, uh, you know, sellers, they list the house with us and they don't feel need to interview any other agents. Were you planning on interviewing any other agents? And if they say, yes, they are, or yes, I am, um, we ask who, and usually they would tell us. I'd say, well, that's, that's a good decision. Um, has she called you back yet? 
And remember, Julie and I got on the lead right away because we always prioritize yep. furiously fast lead follow-up, especially with listing leads. That's the last thing you want to delegate. And oftentimes they would say no. And you wouldn't have to say anything. You wouldn't want to nope. say anything that was neat, mean or nasty. The simple noise that would come out of our mouths would be something like this. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's all that. we would say. It was actually pretty easy. Yes. Uh, so point number five, your buyer should fire you if you keep showing them properties that do not actually meet their criteria. Assuming that you've had a drilled down conversation with your buyers about what they have to have versus what would just be nice to have, you should be showing them appropriate homes. The most common complaint that buyers have about agents they fire is the agent didn't listen to their needs slash didn't show them anything that worked for them slash didn't show what they asked for. And I know that we're inventory starved in most of the country and you guys are scrambling to find anything to show, but that doesn't mean that you should keep showing them stuff that you know really is not a match for them. That makes them mad. That makes them just disappear. So homework for you, review your list of buyers or who you consider to be buyers and ask yourself if any of the situations we presented on today's podcast apply to their relationship with you. How can you correct the course? What changes must you make to your buyer systems? Do you have buyer systems? Should you refer some of your buyers to referral partners? Get referral forms signed and follow up. Now, if all of this is too overwhelming for you, of course, get help ASAP. Qualified, caring, Harris certified coaches are standing by to help you identify what skills you need to upgrade as well as what you're doing right. And we had a great compliment from one of uh, on one of my calls today. She said that this was a, a broker who had an a, a wayward agent come Give to her. Give her credit. What's her name? I, I've had a lot of calls, so I want to say it was either one of my other Sue's or Larissa. One of, but one of them said, this agent came and said, I'm freaking out because the market's changing. What do, you, what do I do? And I, I felt very complimented when she said, you need to listen to Tim and Julie's podcast because the podcast will tell you what's happening, but you need to get involved with coaching because the coaches will tell you what to do about it. Exactly. So here's your homework. I'm going to build upon what Julie just said. First of all, we really sincerely appreciate you guys keeping this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in the United States. Please do give us a five-star review on iTunes and include a pithy comment. And if you're listening to us or watching us on YouTube, please do like and subscribe to the uh, video, to our YouTube channel. We sincerely appreciate all the support and the five-star reviews you guys have given us and all the great feedback. It really is wonderful. It's very... Honestly, guys, it, it makes our day when we read the reviews. So please do continue to do that. And um, we were and are running a contest for everyone that gives us a five-star review. Our staff is deciding who is going to be awarded with a signed copy of our best-selling book, Harris Rules. So far, I must say there are no losers um, and you guys should be receiving your books. Those of you who do receive books, please do include a picture of you in the book and maybe post it on Instagram and, uh, you know, uh, do an at Tim and Julie Harris so we can then uh, show the uh, the book and the picture to all of our uh, people that are on our Instagram page. Now I want to make a note. We're not using social media <laughs> to generate business. Social media is just reinforcing and that's what you should be using it for if you want to use it at all. And by the way, social media, I'll tell you the best thing to use it for is when you're going on a, an appointment and you're going on a listing and you're trying to investigate the, you know, essentially do a little bit of snooping on that prospective client, that social media is the greatest place ever to go and find out what's going on in their lives. It's like a different level of pre-qualification. I use it with coaching clients all the time, oh, of actually. Course. Yeah. 
And I, you bring up something interesting. I think we talked about this on yesterday or the day before. When you think that a client has ghosted you and they, and you make up stories in your head, oh, I must've said this, or I must've said that, or something went wrong, go to their social media because probably they're just on a cruise and they're not talking to anybody. It's not just you, or they're at home in bed with COVID or their kid right. broke their arm, or they're at some kind of you know sports meetup in Canada. So the coaching on that is don't make up stories in your head. Social media is great for finding out what's actually going on. And then usually you find out something positive and you can comment on that. It's, it's a connector. I, I think of it as it's not a lead generator in and of itself. It's more like the glue in between your relationships. Exactly. It reinforces. It doesn't create. Exactly. That's ultimately what it's there for. And for that, it's great. Honestly, you guys mm-hmm. should definitely use it for that. In the meantime, again, thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast and make this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents. Please do follow your assigned homework. Guys, do not be fearful of this market. Be excited because of this market. The, the best thing about a market like this is it, it makes a, um, new winners, new kings and queens basically yes. are crowned. New winners are chosen. And I'll tell you how you become one of those new winner winners. Just you learn what this market demands. That's it. You learn how to help more people. And then people will naturally gravitate to wanting to use you. When they talk to you, when you have confidence, when you have the energy and enthusiasm, when you're doing furiously fast lead follow-up, you're going to get an unfair share of business because of this market. That means that you have to be ready for, frankly, in many cases, an enormous amount of success coming your way. And again, that's a nice problem to have, but it's also a problem that some of you are going to be a little overwhelmed by. And again, that leans back into coaching. It's about organizing. It's about setting the expectation that you can have ever-increasing levels of success through your whole life, not peaks and valleys. And that's my fear for many of you. You're setting yourselves up, knowingly or unknowing, for a very, 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 very deep, long-lasting valley. And we saw this happen in the last real Mm -hmm. estate crash. We saw some of you guys basically uh, hit under your staircase and you stayed through 07, 08, 09. And many of you took another 10 years just to get back to where you were in 2006. Mm -hmm. Not just financially, guys, but spiritually, emotionally, sometimes you, you know, familially, all kinds of things happen. All kinds of wheels came off all kinds of wagons back then because people were fearful and did not know what to do. You have to think you have to be counterintuitive. Think the opposite of what everyone else is doing. If everyone else is being fearful, as Warren Buffett says, be greedy. If everyone else is being, you know, essentially greedy, you need to be a little bit fearful. We're in the intermediate stage where people are sort of, you know, accepting the fact this inflation is long term, accepting the fact that we're entering to this new phase of the economy, accepting the fact that there's, you know, no real known outcome to what we're going to be dealing with. There's three options, short recession, medium length recession. So short recession, two or three months, long-term recession, six to 12 months, longer-term recession, uh, 12 months or longer, years. Last recession that was similar to this, though this is frankly much more dire, lasted 10 years. And now call it what you will. That was from uh, 1971 to 1981. That's how long it took for the inflation to essentially basically all the the pitfalls and the peaks and the valleys of this inflationary cycle that happened all the way back then. You know, 50 years ago, we're experiencing the same thing now. Same thing could very well happen. We could, it's, this could take 10 years. Does not matter because you happen to be in the right place at the right time. You are selling something that everybody needs. Now you just got to get the right skills along with the mindset and then you're going to be bulletproof, guys. You will be successful because of this market. That's right. One of the things I read this morning was, I can't remember, it might have been Inman, somewhere online, they were talking about the difference between agents who are already making changes 
versus agents who don't even know that there's a change going on. And the example was made that there are still, the reason we're seeing more expireds is that uh, inexperienced agents are still rejecting and being insulted when they get an offer, which oftentimes now is their only offer, for anything less than list price. Oh my gosh, we've, why, we don't even want to counter that, right? So what's happening? Then they don't get another offer. Then they're afraid to do a price reduction. It expires, okay? Versus our more experienced agents and maybe less experienced agents that are simply coachable. And they're saying, you know what? I'm going to follow something I heard on a Tim and Julie podcast that was, counter everything. Don't be insulted. I actually used that script uh, with, well, maybe it was Chris Leon, I think, in Chicago. He got something that was lower, and we, we talked about, well, don't be mad at that person. Remember this script? We haven't used this in years. Don't be mad at that person. <laughs> be mad at the 10 other people that saw the property that didn't even like it enough to make an offer. Exactly. How I mean, it's been like a long time since we needed to use that in coaching, right? Yeah. And so counter everything, and the those agents, those of you who are doing that and keeping the deal alive, yeah, it's going to sell for less than list, but you're the reason that it's selling and coaching your sellers to take, you know, what the market is telling you that it's worth, right? And still getting those properties in contract. That is one of the, the clear differences this early on in a shift between agents that are coachable and agents that don't even know what's going on. If you're not excited, if you're not motivated, if you're not optimistic, it's because something into inside your heart inside your soul, inside your mind is telling you that you're not ready. If you are feeling not ready, it's because you're not ready, right? You know, this is true. We have made it simple for you. Premier coaching has never been free. We're giving you ac immediate access to premier coaching. You know, premier coaching is arguably the nation's number one selling coaching program. You can join right now. Simply text the word premier to four, seven, three, seven, two. Remember message and data rates may apply. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>